Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are recording this just a couple of hours before the start of Super Bowl 53. So don't worry if you're one of the 12 people that will not watch the big game. There are no spoilers here, even though all of you will probably not listen to this until after that game has concluded. What we will do is recap another Duke victory and preview a week that includes a team that beat us last year and the big rematch against one of the top teams in the country. First, a big thank you to our sponsors, Bird Campbell, a Duke-centric business law firm with offices in Florida and Texas. Bird Campbell means business. It's Donald Wine here, guys, your host for this week. Uh, I was rocking with the U.S. men's national team in San Jose yesterday, which is why my voice sounds like an unfolded lawn chair. But don't worry, I got the game in. I was able to watch uh, the St. John's game as well. As I bring in my co-host here, first off, Sam Klein in the Bull City. How are you, man? Yeah, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend the game. I was in Washington, D.C. yesterday, but I listened to and and watched most of it. So um, I am still prepared to talk about it, even though I unfortunately wasn't in Cameron uh, for the St. John's match. And I'm sorry to miss you while you were up here. It was uh, it was a quick trip for me, but I, I got back in time to, to take in all the festivities. But uh, speaking of festivities in the Super Bowl city, we got Jason Evans. Jason, what's up down there in Atlanta? Yeah, so I'm reporting to you from the sidelines of my kitchen. Um, <laughs> Your kitchen has yeah. a sideline? That's awesome. Wait, Jason, <laughs> I Jason, I thought Jason records in the living room. Uh, no, no. Uh, actually, lately I've been in the kitchen. Um, uh, the living room is a little too central in the house. And so people all over the house you know, have to be quiet and they get pissed off at me. So I kind of seal myself off in the living room. But yes, we are here. Um, it is a really nice day in Atlanta. I don't know if you recall, uh, Atlanta hosted the Super Bowl like seven or eight years ago, and it was like an ice storm. It was awful, and people said we're never coming back to that city. So hopefully, it's like in the mid-50s, low-60s. It's really nice weather in Atlanta. So hopefully, people will be pleased with our hosting of the big game. They've hosted the Super Bowl in New York outdoors. Why would they think Atlanta is going to be worse than that? Right. I think, I think that was a long time ago. No, that was very recent. That was like 20, really? yeah, when, it was like 2015 yeah, or 2014. Okay, right. I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh, but anyway, my city looked bad last time, and we're going to look good this time. Good. Well, I hope it's a good game. Uh, but, but let's get into the game but here to talk about. Uh, we already recapped the Notre Dame game from last Monday, so we'll talk about the other game this week, and that was the game yesterday against St. John's. Duke emerges with the 91-61 victory over the Red Storm. Guys, I want to break this down from all angles, but I want to start with the incredible defense led by Trey Jones, particularly against Shamari Pond. So, Jason, I'm going to give it to you so we can gush over what he did yesterday. So uh, Sam mentioned that he was uh, absent. He could not make it to the game. Um, I, I believe that Shamori Pons was also absent from the game. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, uh, at, least it, at least it felt that way. Um uh, in the preview last week, uh, I said that I was dying to see this incredible matchup that was going to happen between Trey Jones, who I, I think is the best perimeter man-to-man defensive player in the country, and Shamori Pons, who's certainly among the, I don't know, four or five best guards in the country. Um, I, I don't think anyone would really would really doubt that. A high-usage guy, he drives the St. John's engine. Um, and he and, killed us uh, last year. Like he was, he, he had like 30, what, 33 he, points yeah. against us last year? Yeah. So, uh, folks, the 15 27 mark, 15 minutes, 27 seconds left on the clock in the second half. 
We had played 25 of the 40 minutes of the game before Shamori Pons finally got a basket. Um, wow. What Trey Jones, you can't talk enough about what Trey Jones did to Shamori Pons. Uh, by the way, I was cracking up. Did you guys notice uh, when Shamori brought the ball up court, he, he dribbles between his legs like on every single dribble and behind his back. Like he's putting on a little show when he's just bringing the ball up court. And like if he did that and then torched you, it'd be one thing. But he did that and then Trey destroyed him. And the thing I noticed, uh, especially for the for much of the, like the first 10 minutes or so was um, once he gave the ball. First of all, he wasn't bringing the ball up the court as much. And once he gave the ball up, Trey prevented him from getting the ball back. So uh, uh, Shamori Pons didn't get to do very much for St. John's. Um, I, you know, if you look at he he was three of 11 in the game, uh, that's just not a lot of shots for, for a guy who, who uh, Shamori Pons, I think is typically shooting the ball close to 20 times a game. And, and he couldn't, he couldn't even get the ball to distribute it. He couldn't even get the ball to go ahead and, and, and score on his own because Trey Jones was dominating him so badly. And uh, how funny was that moment in the second half? I mean, the game was already decided. It was already over and Duke had a turnover and Shamori Pons got a run out for a layup and he he couldn't even hit a layup. It's like Trey was in his head that badly. It was an absolute beatdown from a defensive standpoint by Trey Jones. Uh, and there's you know there's a ton more I can say about this game, but I I I, I just want to compartmentalize the Trey stuff. And so I'm gonna toss it back to you guys. And just wow, what a what a performance by Duke on defense, uh, led by Trey Jones. Yeah, and yeah, and what and what he was doing was really just like capitalizing on stupid you know mistakes like you were talking about how uh that you know he would shamari Pons would dribble uh through the legs and try to kind of you know put on a little show as he was crossing midcourt and trey jones was having none of it uh but what it did was it also helped other guys get into the action i mean we saw how many steals by zion because they were doing the same thing five, and zion would just come five. right behind yeah he would just yeah. come right behind him and just dunk it like uh and, and just grab it and we had the zion williams show but I, I say that to switch gears uh, because Sam, uh, we 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 had the Sion Williams show again yesterday. But I remember starting at the beginning of the game, uh, the broadcasters noted that when Zion came out uh, the first time, like early in the first half, he hadn't scored a point yet. And they were talking about how uh, St. John's defense was really frustrating Zion Williamson. Well, what do you think? Do you think they spoke too soon? I perhaps a bit too soon. Zion put on another one of these, what has become the the sort of classic performance from him. The if you watch the Duke Blue Planet highlights from the game, you know they do the the top five videos. Three or four of them are Zion dunks and layups. Uh, the most impressive, I think, was the one where he stole the ball back underneath St. John's basket. Um, and I guess it was was it after a off rebound? The free throw. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, a, yeah, off, off the free throw. throw. Yeah. Off the free th- yeah. yeah, it was the free throw rebound. It seemed like the St. John's player had corralled the ball about 90% of the way there. And Zion just decided, nah, I don't think so. Uh, took the ball right back, did did a little little uh, herky-jerky move and, and laid the ball right in. Um, nobody does that. No, no one, no matter what size you are, nobody just rips the ball out and then and then has the um, has the dexterity to to just put the ball in the hoop. You know, it'd be one thing to steal the ball there and then be like all right let's go reset the offense because because now you know things have heightened um but he just went right for it and and he had a number of those 
Well, it, it uh, talk about Zion's motor. I, I don't think we've seen. We just haven't seen many players ever who are going full bore the whole game the way he is. Loose and, balls, trying for steals. His motor's unreal. And he actually had a comment after the game uh, last night that, uh, or or yesterday afternoon that. Someone asked him about about uh, I don't know, actually it might not have been yesterday it might have been a, a previous game but about him like watching his own dunks and and celebrating with the crowd and he made a point about how you know he early in the season he was doing that and then he kind of stopped because he's like I got to get back on defense I have to I have to go back and steal the ball again and dunk the ball again or something to that effect and y- you can see it on the court he's you know he, as much as we talk about how good Trey Jones is on defense and he and the way that he locked up Shamori Pons and I agree with you Jason that was sort of the the key to the game is just that Duke decided to go with the cut off the head approach and let the rest let, let St. John's figure out how to beat how to beat Duke without Shamori Pons playing well and that was very effective but on top of that Zion's uh commitment to defense both in the interior and on the perimeter yesterday were were very apparent he had that one steal where he he and Trey Jones are good at doing this this double team on the perimeter move where one of them realizes there's an opportunity. And then the other one just appears next to him uh, or sort of on, on the other side of him, uh, on the other side of the, the ball handler. And they're going to get the once, once Trey and Zion have decided that they're taking the ball away from you, they are taking the ball away from you. And one of them is, is going to be running down the court with it. Um, they're like so that was, yeah, right. It's uh, it, it's almost automatic when they decide that it's time to do that. They don't do it obviously all game um but a couple you know one or two times a game it's 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 going to work every time as they say so zion had a few of those he had a few more of those those acrobatic you know length of the court type plays where he's like weaving around in traffic and laying the ball in um again we say this every time but it's not like zion's just dunking the ball indiscriminately he also has a number of ways to get the ball in the basket when it seems like he's not that close, and it's like, oh, what's he going to do now? Oh, there he appears at the rim for the for the simple <laughs> finger roll. Like, what is that? What is that? How does he do that? Um, so that that was incredible. And then R.J. Barrett also had one of those awesome uh, steal, like tip steal and and breakaway dunks that that I totally love. This Duke team is able to get steals on the perimeter, unlike I think any that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I think. The other thing I wanted to point out, um, we were talking about the defense. We were talking about the offense. The offense was, you know, we had five guys in double figures. One of those guys was Marquise Bolden, and I wanted to talk about him for a second because not necessarily what he did on the offensive end because I think he did a lot of great things. He was four for six um, and and had a couple of and one uh, baskets. But he also, on defense, he was doing stuff that wasn't showing up in the score sheet. You know, he would – have a great defensive stand against somebody who would and help make them force a terrible shot. He would get the oh, rebound, or someone else would go. His hedging, talk, yeah, talk about yeah. it. He hedges so well um, when he, when the big man goes out to screen. Um, uh, Marquise's ability to hedge and prevent the the guy who's being screened for from from sort of you know causing the switch to happen. In this, I, I mean, Mark, he is putting on a clinic with the way he hedges screens. It's really and- really good. And when he gets back, that's the real key here. Like everyone can hedge on a basket on on a on a defense on an offensive player, but if you don't get back to guard your man that you were originally supposed to guard or get back yeah, to the position you're supposed waste. to be, the yeah. hedge is, means nothing. And he's doing that brilliantly, and that is what's causing a lot of frustration for people inside the paint. 
and I'm really loving how he is working with uh, Zion and, and RJ inside on defense because it seems like there's points of the game where he says, I'm just going to stand this guy up and, you know, just by me doing that is going to force either a terrible shot that these guys can take and go, or I know Zion, I know RJ are coming in uh, from the flank like Raptors do, and they're going to swat the ball out of existence. So uh, I think that sort of thing, he is playing great team defense. And when you have a great team defense, you have to have a couple of those guys that are just going to do things that may not show up on the stat sheet. Marquise Bolden is doing that right now, and I really appreciate that. So I want to talk really quick about the three-point shooting um, uh, because a very interesting thing happened in this game. St. John's, which is basically a man-to-man team, came out in a zone, and uh, Duke went ahead and bombed over them, which we've tried on a few occasions, and it hasn't worked very well. We tried it against um, we tried it against Syracuse, and it really did not work well. Um, so Duke hit their first four three-pointers. And and the guy who was doing the hitting was mostly Cam Reddish, who had two of those four. Uh, and the interesting thing was St. John's was sort of keeping up with us. Um, St. John's hit four out of their first seven three-pointers. So both the teams were hitting from long range. And then because this Duke team, we just can't figure out how to be good from long range consistently. We, we went into, uh, you know, another one of these slumps and – after hitting our first four, we just hit three of the next 22. St. John's, by the way, after hitting four of their first seven, they went one for 19. One for 19 on their next three-pointers. You know, it, it's tough. The, the conventional wisdom, there's so many folks saying, oh, you can't win without hitting threes. Um, and, and Duke is clearly trying to prove all those folks wrong. <laughs> um I, I I I long for I mean we had a good game against Notre Dame. We were 10 of 19 from three, and we don't have to hit that many of them, but we're coming up on a stretch. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much. We're gonna start talking previews in a little while, but Duke's coming up on a on a brutal, brutal six-game stretch. And I think we're gonna to need to be better than, you know, the seven of twenty-six, which is what we were from three in this game, uh 26%. By the way, last note on the three-pointers. Did you guys see what happened at the end of the game? Jordan Goldwire hit a three. Prior to that, Jordan Goldwire had been 0 for 15 from three on the season. He was the Division I player with the most shots without hitting one. So he is no longer the worst three-point shooter in all of Division I basketball. Hey, Jordan, way to go, baby. (laughs) Yeah, not bad. I I was going to say on there, Jason, that the – as you said, Duke is trying to prove people wrong that you can't win without hitting the threes. I think they'd like to be. They're obviously still taking a lot of them and and want this to work out. Um, the other the other thing that's sort of surprising here uh, and that I, I want to make sure that folks are are aware of as they're watching the games, as you noted, Jason, Cam Reddish hit, I think it was his first three or four threes and then went cold basically the rest of the day. Don't uh, ascribe uh, a hot start to the rest of, of the performance. Um, the, the, I think there's a lot of research out there that, that the hot hand is not a, is not a real phenomenon in sports. And, um, and, and we could see that clearly on display yesterday, um, just because he hit a few at the beginning, which was exciting. Uh, it seemed like he sort of returned to the norm, uh, throughout the rest of the game. So Duke, I, I, I don't expect Duke to be a, to be even an average three point shooting team this year, uh, going forward, even if, even if some of the guys improve a little bit, but 
they score so efficiently in the paint that sometimes it feels like it doesn't matter. You know, last comment on St. John's, and, and then um, I'll let us get to other stuff. But I wanted to mention something about the rebounding. Uh, this Duke team has been a great offensive rebounding team. Um, the stats from yesterday, we had 15 offensive rebounds. St. John's only had 18 defensive rebounds. Basically, when we shot and missed, there was pretty much an equal chance that we were going to get the offensive rebound or they were going to get the defensive rebound. Uh, that, you know, when you're when you're in that kind of stratosphere, teams can't beat you because they can't stop you. I mean, basically, when you miss, you've got a decent chance of getting the board, um, and that's just so demoralizing. And then on the game overall, we out-rebounded them 48 to 30. That's a that's a beatdown from a rebounding standpoint, and and that's one of the things this team does so well. We haven't mentioned his name very much, so I wanted to tip the cap to R.J. Barrett, who had 14 rebounds, including 12 defensive rebounds. R.J. Barrett had 12 defensive rebounds. I mean, that's like he had he had almost he had half as many rebounds as St. John's had as a team. Very impressive effort by Duke on the boards, and uh, it's something we're going to need moving forward. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you once again by Bird Campbell, a business law firm with offices in Florida and Texas and owned by two class of 1978 Duke graduates. These guys bleed Duke blue, and if you are in need of legal services, they are here for you. Check them out at birdcampbell.com. All right, guys, we are on to another big week for Duke basketball. Uh, first off, on Tuesday night, Duke will host the Boston College Eagles, a team we have not faced in almost 14 months. Uh, in our only meeting last year, uh, Duke lost in Chestnut Hill in that early December matchup. But Saturday is the big rematch against Virginia, this time in Charlottesville. Uh, Duke won 72-70 to just three weeks ago in Cameron. So, Jason, let's start with Boston College and lead us off with what we can do to beat BC. So uh, this game, it's revenge time again. There was a lot of talk about the St. John's game and Duke wanting revenge for, for the loss last year. Last year, they were sort of two, what happened? Losses for Duke, you know, games where you were just like, how did we lose that game? And those two games were against Boston College and St. John's. So he took care of one of those revenge games um, this past weekend. And Boston, we're going to take care of the other one um, uh, in just a couple days. Uh, BC, I I really wonder how much longer Jim Christian, um, the head coach there, is going to keep his job. Did you know from 2001 to 2009, BC made the tournament, the NCAA tournament, seven times in nine years. Since 2009, they have not made the NCAA tournament once. Uh, They made the NIT twice. I mean, they're not even making the NIT on a consistent basis. Um, last year was a good year for them. For the first time in a while, BC was fairly decent. They won 19 games. They made the NIT. They, uh, I, I think, I want to say they won seven games in the ACC. They had Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman in the backcourt. Jerome Robinson, an excellent player who went on to be drafted the NBA draft and is having a nice NBA career. Um, but this year, they're back to being bad. And Duke's going to be... You know, I would guess around a 25-point favorite in this game. BC is not a top 100 team. 
Um, they are really alongside Wake Forest as the two worst teams in the ACC. They're not good at rebounding. They don't force turnovers very well. They're very poor at shooting threes. Look, we, we know Duke struggles at threes. BC is almost as bad as Duke at shooting threes. Um, somehow, a couple weeks ago, they managed to beat Florida State. I think it's when Florida State was still reeling from the Duke loss, that last-second loss to Duke. Um, but other than that, if you look at what BC's done, they've lost to teams that you just are like head-scratching really bad losses, teams like Hartford and IUPUI. Um, a Hartford team that Duke beat by like 60 earlier in the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, BC's they're, – they're a – they're a bad team. There's no other way to say it, especially by ACC standards. Um, they do. Jason, have... are you saying, Jason, are you saying that BC got into the ACC at the right time for them? Yeah, tell me about it, big time. <laughs> um, they, they're they're still led by Kai Bowman, um, who who is an excellent guard, averages more than 20 points per game, eight rebounds per game. He's a really good rebounding guard. He leads the team in assists. I mean, you know, he, he does everything for them. Unfortunately. He's probably going to be guarded by Trey Jones. Kai Bowman is not as good as Shamori Pons. Trey Jones destroyed Shamori Pons. I, I, I think Kai Bowman is going to have a lot of trouble getting, you know, what he needs to get for BC to be competitive against Trey Jones. Um, they, they've got a, a senior wing, Jordan Chapman, um, who uh, who's been playing really well lately. His scoring has been up lately. He's getting mid to upper teens pretty much every game. Sometimes gets in the twenties in scoring. It, it, you may recall he got twenty two against us last year in the upset where where everything they they remember they hit every three pointer they made last year. Um, and Chapman was one of the guys who did that. Um, and then they've got a big Bosnian guy in the middle, um, Nick Popovich. Um, but he doesn't have the quickness, I don't think, to stay with the Duke bigs. He's not that much of a rim protector. This is one of those games where the advanced metric people will tell you that Duke is a 98, 99% chance of winning. And, and I, you know, maybe, maybe this BC team somehow on the road manages to, to become a great three point shooting team. Um, but that's about the only, you know, and, and Duke has one of these games where we can't throw the ball in the ocean. And I don't know, maybe we're struggling getting to the rim. I'm I'm struggling to come up with a scenario where BC is really competitive in this game. Like I said, Duke's going to be about a 25 point favorite, maybe even more like 30. And looking ahead from from the BC game, I think the the thing we're really looking for at Boston College is that Duke doesn't tire themselves out or get injured or anything. The because the stretch coming up, and, and actually one of our one of our listeners prompted us in an email this week to to make sure we highlight this, uh, which I think was was uh, good insight. Duke's schedule coming up after Boston College is extremely difficult. They've got a number of hard road games, including Virginia and Louisville, um, coming up right afterwards. So um, not having to like exerting as little as they need and and not putting Trey Jones back in harm's way for too long against Boston College is key as they look ahead at the at the sort of toughest part of their schedule. And I know that Jason, you had highlighted it when we when we looked at the schedule way way back when it was released that. That, that was going to be the hard part, and I think it's and by the way that was harder. That was before we even knew that Louisville and NC State would be as good. I mean, Louisville and NC State are the two surprise teams in the conference this year, based on where we were in the preseason. No one knew they'd be as good as they have been. Um, uh, you know, folks, take out your po- handy pocket schedule and have a look at it. At Virginia, at Louisville, home against NC State, but you know, a, a rivalry game. NC State always gets geeked up for Duke, like they do for Carolina. Then we then we have Carolina at home. And then we're back on the road again for Syracuse and Virginia Tech. That is a that is 
a, a really, really tough six-game stretch. By the way, I I think after Virginia, I think the toughest game in that stretch is is the last one, the game at Virginia Tech. But we're way ahead of ourselves to be way ahead. But but thinking yeah. about the BC game, um, just making sure that the Duke does enough to win and doesn't doesn't leave the guys out on the court too long. Honestly, is is what I'm looking for. Uh, you don't want this team to go into that stretch feeling like they're anything but a hundred percent. And um, so that's that's really what I'm going to be watching for on Monday. Well, it's a Tuesday Saturday turnaround, so I or mean, Tuesday, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's not it's not that bad. I mean, we got plenty of time, even if we have to play our guys. But I think that we'll be seeing a lot of the bench. Yeah, but the the one thing I'm looking forward uh, against Boston College, I'm noticing that they have three guys that average over seven rebounds a game, and they average about 36 a game as a team. That is a pretty good stat. You don't have very few teams in college basketball that are averaging, that have three guys averaging over seven rebounds. So they're actually, I mean, this is one of the key things that we are working on here. You know, we're very good at the rebounding, but if we're going to have an off night shooting, that means we have to really concentrate on the glass because if we can get those second opportunities, that's what's going to kill Boston College. That's what's going to demoralize them. And it's not going, if we are just doing, you know, one shot and they're getting the rebound and going, that could actually hurt us and, and make us exert more energy than all of us probably want us to do. So uh, I think if we can concentrate on that, it should be a relatively easy night for Duke. Yeah, Donald, the only thing I'll say about that is um, BC is they, – they do have three guys who get a lot of rebounds. No one else on the team gets rebounds. They're right. not – they're not a great rebounding team. I mean, if you look at the stats, they're just, they're not that strong. And they're not a good um, offensive rebounding team at all. And you know what? While we're doing that, why don't we just switch on to the UVA game? Uh, Sam, I'm going to give you the honors there, but I want to lead with this. Three weeks ago, we beat Virginia without Trey Jones. So it's going to be great to have his defense and his pressure and his passing back in the lineup. But in your mind, what is the one thing we did well in Cameron that must show up with us in Charlottesville? Um, I think it was it was dictating pace a little bit more than UVA would have liked. They still were able to slow the game down, but the game finished with both teams scoring in the 70s, which is not how UVA wants to play. Again, you know, just doing a callback from the preview we did of this game a few weeks ago, the key is is dictating pace. Duke needs to force Virginia into turnovers. They need to uh, they need to score in transition and, and then get back on defense and, and steal the ball again. Um, letting UVA get into the half court is is not a recipe for Duke to succeed. And uh, so they, they need to be able to do that. I think having Trey Jones back is going to be great for um, maintaining their composure in, in, uh, in the road environment. John Paul Jones arena is going to be uh, is going to be lit as they say on Saturday night for uh, for Duke coming into town, but having Trey Jones back, I think if Duke can, can maintain that ability to, to keep the pace, um, Having Trey Jones back is hopefully going to be the difference for Duke as they uh, try to win on the road, which is a lot harder than it would be in Cameron, even even with a Trey Jones on the floor. Jason, what do you think? You know, Virginia for a little while um, looked like they were just you – know, they were killing everybody. I mean, if you look back over their ACC scores – they're routinely winning game by 20 plus points. And then they ran into Duke and, and we managed to beat them. And, and then they got right back to beating the crap out of teams. They beat Wake Forest by 23. They beat Notre Dame by, by like 30 points. Um, and, and you thought this was going to be the pattern all season long. Their past two games, they've actually, you know, looked kind of beatable. Um, they went to overtime against NC State, a game that NC State easily easily could have won 
Um, and then they, they they had a fairly close game. They ended up winning by ten points this weekend against Miami. But I mean, Miami's not that great. It was uh, it was not a fabulous performance by 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 UVA. Um, you know, it's a game. It was a home game for UVA, by the way. So you know, you would expect them to do better than a ten point victory over Miami at home. Um, they. They, they have their bye in their ACC schedule this week, and they chose not to schedule someone else. So they're going to have all week off to sort of prepare for Duke. Um, obviously, they know what to expect against us, but uh, I, I really think Sam hit on it when he talked about the fact that the game got into the 70s last time, and uh, we were able to – we did not let Virginia dictate pace the whole game. Look, when the ball's in their hands – Virginia is able to dictate pace because, you know, you, you can't really force them when they have the ball to shoot. <laughs> they can take their time shooting um, uh, until the shot clock runs out. But what Duke did a really, really great job of in that game was um, when when the ball was in our hands, we were able to push the pace. We were able to move the ball up court very, very quickly. And... Um, and and we got some easy buckets, which is something very very difficult to do against Virginia. I, I feel like we're going to have to. This is the game where we're going to have to hit some threes, um, because I, I it's just so 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 difficult to beat Virginia without hitting any three pointers at all. Um, and I'd I'd love to see you know Cam come out. Uh, you know Cam was four of ten in this last game. Boy, if he could have another four of ten from three point range kind of game. Um, against UVA, that that would be a really, really, really big deal for Duke. Um, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Zion. It feels like Zion's elevated his game lately, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him elevate even more against uh, against Virginia. Um, uh, yeah, matching and- matching matching UVA's bullying with with Duke's version of of bullying, which is Zion and Barrett. Uh, crashing the glass and getting up, getting the ball up at the rim uh, is going to be essential, right? And well, and, and let's not forget, Duke beat Virginia without Trey Jones. Um, uh, you know, it, Virginia does have to prepare for something different than they saw last time because the the way Duke plays defense when Trey is in the game is very, very different. And and I think you know Kyle Guy is going to be the man who's going to have Trey in his face the whole game. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see if that changes a little bit of the way UVA plays. And then the other thing is, um, you know, is UVA able to to use Jack Salt and Jay Huff to, to you know, to guard the rim a little bit and keep Zion away from getting all those layups? Um, they, they didn't succeed at it last time, and it'll be interesting. I mean – that's their game plan. UVA wants to force you into bad shots, and Zion doesn't take bad shots. So, um, I, I'm I'm dying for it. It's it's these are the two best teams in the country, right, guys? I mean, us and Virginia really look like we're a step ahead of everybody else, and uh, it's so much fun to get to play them twice. That is yeah. what that is what the metrics say, and so yeah, I'm, I agree with you, Jason. I'm glad that Duke and UVA get to play twice this year, and hopefully, um, or perhaps one or two more times going forward as well. Um, yeah, four. Let's go for four. Four would be fun because that's that's the final four. <laughs> we we can go for a uh, we can go for a two thousand one versus Maryland type of deal where we play them four times and uh, and and go three for four. If that's the case, then I guess I'll take Duke losing this weekend, um, so they can win that ACC title and the and the national championship as well. 
How about we do this Pepto. without without me going through entire bottles of Pepto every game? Because that would, <laughs> that would be ideal. Was, uh, was 2001 stressful for you, Donald? Oh, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, freshman, was, freshman year college. Freshman year, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Um, but I, I, to, to end this, I wanted to talk a little bit more. Uh, Jason, you touched a little bit on the Trey Jones matchup that we didn't, that we were kind of robbed of uh, seeing three weeks ago because of his injury. But I think that's going to be an interesting case because when you look at Virginia, we've talked a lot about how they don't, they, they, they're very methodical with their offense. They take good shots. That is very rare that they take bad shots in a possession. We were able to do that a lot in the, in the second half, especially when we played them three weeks ago. And with adding Trey Jones to that element, it's going to be a very mesmerizing matchup for me because I want to see what he can do to kind of push the issue a little bit. Because when he, like you guys said, when he's in the game, we're playing a little bit with a little bit more pressure um, than we normally are. So will we have those opportunities where we have the Raptor style of defense where Trey Jones is locking up on Kyle Guy, so RJ Barrett or, or Cam Reddish or even Zion can come over and swoop in and take the ball and go the other way. Will we have those opportunities? And with him in the game, it creates an element where I think he's going to be able to force more bad shots, have more bad possessions out of UVA. Are those going to be the difference? I think they were three weeks ago, and I think with Trey Jones in the game, it might make it a lot more uh, interesting and more of a point of emphasis um, when we watch on Saturday night. Hey, by the way, one thing really, really quick. Virginia is also about to enter into a really tough stretch. It's not six games. It's only five games for them. But um, uh, immediately on the heels of playing Duke, Virginia has North Carolina two days later um, at Carolina. Um, they then they get a break and they get Notre Dame at home. And then they've got back-to-back away games um, at Virginia Tech and Louisville. Um, so, uh, you know, the, over the course of the next two and a half, three weeks, the the ACC race will probably between Duke, North Carolina is still in there, Louisville still in there, but the race between Duke and Virginia that everyone thinks is the for the top of the ACC will be decided by by the next five six games that both these teams have coming up with some really really tough contests against the other top teams in the league, um, uh, and and I think you know having North Carolina two days after Duke is like unfair scheduling by the uh, look. I, I, I'm not one of those people that's a conspiracy theorist about the ACC scheduling patterns, but if you ever wanted to dive in on UNC gets all the calls from, from John Swafford, UNC getting to play UVA two days after UVA hosts Duke, um, and, and that game being in Chapel Hill is such an obvious UNC win um, mm-hmm. that, that man, uh, it almost makes me want to believe that, that, that the conspiracy is on. Because that's like that's the best situation for for North Carolina to be in. UVA is going to be laser focused on this Duke game, and uh, and and of course it'll be a hard fought one. And and maybe even if UVA wins or Duke wins, whoever it is, UVA is going to be you know tired going into Chapel Hill, and then uh, and then the Tar Heels will like win by eight, and everyone will start talking about how great. Oh, I I can't do this to myself anymore. Stop. Can we change the subject? <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Player of the Week. Uh, as a reminder, we did, uh, we're did. we only doing the St. John's game, so I have a feeling who we all are going to pick, but Sam, I will go to you first. 
it's still Zion. It it continues to be Zion. He continues to do more more things that I didn't think were possible. Um, it, every single week, it, it's it's the same story with him. I'm continuing to ride with Zion. Jason, uh, no, half the game is played on offense, and half the game is played on defense. And Trey Jones was a defensive dif- difference maker. Um, against St. John's. So I am taking Trey Jones as my player of the week. And I can I can I briefly side note here for a second. ESPN's John Gassaway recently published his list of the 25 best players in college basketball. Number one was Zion Williamson. Um, number two was Jay Morant of Murray State. Then Ethan Happ. And goes down through the list. And I was looking to see where R.J. Barrett would come in. Because I, I was like, okay, you know, after, you know, Zion's number one for Duke and RJ's number two. And I think, it's, I think RJ's among the top 25 players in college basketball. And as I'm going down the list and I, I you know, I'm, I'm going past Marcus Howard and Cassius Winston, Jarrett Culver, really good players. I get to number 11 and it's Trey Jones. ESPN says that Trey Jones is the 11th best player in all of college basketball this year. I don't disagree with them. Trey is... Trey is as good a a perimeter defender as there is in the game this year, and he's doing all the right things on offense, not trying to do too much. So my player of the week is Trey Jones. By the way, R.J. Barrett came in at number 20 in that list. So Duke has three of the top 20 players in all college basketball. Can we just give us the trophy already? We win, right? We win. Well, we have Zion, so anything is possible. Um, I, I, for, for my player of the week, I, I'm glad that you took Trey Jones so I could go with Sam and pick Zion because, quite honestly, I've run out of things to say about him. All right, guys, as always, we have parting shots. Jason, you have the floor. Okay, so I've got two parting shots. My first one is a typo. So the the other day I was emailing with some friends about how Duke struggles from outside shooting and free throw shooting. And I was talking about our shortcomings, our shortcomings. And I left out the R and the word shortcomings became shotcomings. And so, so I've coined a new term. Duke suffers from shotcomings um, when it comes to shooting. I don't know. Is that funny? I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you. We'll, give, we'll, we'll allow it. Okay, so wait, but my real parting shot is Naruto. Gentlemen, during the fabulous, wonderful interview that Zion Williamson's mother gave with ESPN yesterday, um, because talking about what was happening on the floor wasn't interesting enough for ESPN. They had to go talk to Zion's mom. She mentioned that one of the things that she and Zion do when they just need to chill, when Zion really just wants to, you know, disconnect from the world, he watches Naruto. I will freely admit that I had never heard of Naruto. I went, that sounds like some kind of Japanese anime. It is. It's a Japanese anime about a teenage ninja orphan, this guy who's an orphan and he's a ninja and he wants to sort of um, do good in his city. And I went, oh, okay, that sounds kind of nice. How long Zion's been watching this? I wonder if this has been around for a while. I want you all to guess. Seriously, I want you to guess how many episodes, television episodes, half hours, how many episodes of Naruto have been produced? Sam, guess first. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna anchor my guess against the fact that I think there are about a thousand episodes of the Pokemon show. Uh, and I'm gonna go with eight hundred and fifty. Donald? 
I'm going to go in at 750. Wow, I can't believe you. 720. I was like, seven. that's like crazy. That's a ton of episodes. 720 episodes. This show's been on TV for 15 years. There are also 10, 10 full-length Naruto films. So <laughs> apparently if I want to be like Zion and start, start watching Naruto, if I like watched, I don't know, episodes a day, it would take me like five years or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it on that crazy. on that topic, I was talking to a friend recently about um, catching up on Game of Thrones before the final season begins in in April. And I was talking about you know because I've been watching Game of Thrones all these years, you know maybe going back and like watching the last two seasons and like I could spread that out over the next the next like two and a half months. One of my friends said that she hadn't seen it, any episodes yet. And, and she was like, I'll just start from the beginning and watch it. And I, I went and did the math. You have to watch an episode almost every day for the amount of Thrones that's out there. And those episodes are like an hour long. Um, so good luck to, to anyone who's trying to do that. But she should. That's going to be me. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no. No, she should do it. And Donald, if you're not in yet, you got you to gotta go in and do it. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I've seen. It's funny. I've only seen the last two episodes. Um, and it was because I, I was. Wait, wait, no, wait, hear me out. I've, I had never seen it, and I was with friends on vacation, and every single one of them watches Game of Thrones except for me. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to sit here and watch Game of Thrones with you guys. So I, I was on vacation, and it was you know basically where it spanned where there was two episodes, the la- the final two of the season. Uh, so I've seen those two. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, it did wait, not really wait. give anything away for me. But dude, I, I'm, I, dude, you can't do that. You should. Oh God, you have to. What, go you, back what was to I supposed to do? Go back and watch the whole thing. Go back to the beginning. I'm, Wait, I'm going to watch. Hear... The, I'm going to watch them all. But my point was, is so it wasn't like I had a ice, choice. Wait, you don't know how the ice dragon came to be, like the oh, way God, the Jason, ice dragon. Stop, oh stop, my God, stop. Let, Jason, let people, Jason, let people enjoy I, it for Jason, themselves. I, I, I watched them simply because I was in a house with one TV and everyone was in the room watching this Game of Thrones. I, I'm not. I was on vacation. I was drinking wine. It was fine. I, I did not. It, it did not. Donald, you're going to need. You're going to need a lot more wine. You're going to need a lot more wine to yeah, watch the whole show. And here's the thing. And honestly, guys, I'll tell you this. And you guys already know this. If you follow Twitter, I don't need to watch it. I've I've seen every episode of Game of Thrones via Twitter because all of Twitter blows up every Sunday when Game of Thrones is on TV. So I'm not. It's it's not going to be something where it spoiled anything for me. It's not going to affect my enjoyment when I go back and watch the whole thing. But I, I will probably do it before this new season kicks off so that I am in tune with the rest of the world when life shuts down on Sunday nights. All right. Can I, can I follow this up with a, I don't know if this is a one-up of, of your story just now, because the, because we're just dealing with different amounts of time, but I'm going to admit to you that I went to see return of the King in theaters. Jason's going to hate this. I went to see return of the King in theaters, having not seen the previous two Lord of the Rings movies again, because my friends were just what? like going what? and just wanted to go. <laughs> no. I wish you, I wish you, man. I it was, it. no, it, it was terrible. <laughs> I I spent the whole I spent the whole movie asking my friends like who's that? What's going on? And I didn't I didn't read oh the Lord of the Rings God. books growing up, so yeah, I really had no idea what, what was going on. Jason, basically for one episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and find all of the TV shows that I have watched from the end to the beginning. Just oh to see, just to hear you react, You're gonna, we're, that's going to be more stressful. That's going to be more stressful than 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 watching one of these close Duke games in the tournament. Exactly. 
That's going to be horrible. Okay, well, wait, horrible wait. for Jason. Okay, Sam, We're going to enjoy Go your party it. shot. <laughs> All right, uh, fine. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. So I will admit <laughs> one thing. I hadn't watched Breaking Bad until after the series ended, and I knew that it ends with him lying on the floor. You know, I, I knew how the series... So I knew what was happening. Spoiler alert. I, I, Spoilers. I, I spoiled Everyone it. go watch spoiled Breaking Bad. <laughs> I haven't seen that show yet, so it's fine. <laughs> it's a, okay. Oh, that's you got to see Breaking too. Bad. That's a good one, too. I Sam. recommend that. Actually, I think I like it more than Thrones. Anyway, all right, let's see. Um, <laughs> quick, <party> shot. <laughs> let's see. From my, from my parting shot last week, a quick update. Um, there are no significant improvements in the grad student Usher versus Sam Klein ongoing case. Um, so uh, I did. A couple folks emailed us for me to provide the, uh, the text of the email that I sent, which I, of course, did. Uh, one of whom was a was a fellow Duke student who's a graduate student who asked for it, so I sent it along. Um, but no, uh, the cowards remain cowards, uh, and they're still hiding in fear of me or something. So, uh, so that saga continues. The other thing I wanted to point out, and and I guess we'll perhaps talk about this in maybe more detail when we get to these opponents later in the season. But NC State uh, the other night, I, I don't know oh if my you guys God. Oh, man. saw this yesterday. Oh my NC God. State, uh, <laughs> NC State lost to Virginia Tech. 47 to 24 in basketball in, a that was in basketball, a full, a 40 Wait, minute that was game. A football score. That's was football, a, isn't it? It was 47. <laughs> it was 47 to 24. NC state scored 24 points in a regulation basketball game, which just goes to show you that they're going to score 79 points against Duke when we play them next week. Uh, hey, do you know the stat? Do you know the great stat about that? That is the lowest point total by a ranked team in the shot clock era. Woof. That's terrible. Look, it was yes. so bad. It was so bad. I was I was at a tailgate and I was trying to watch the Duke game and I was checking scores. And I literally thought the ESPN app was broken because they kept saying, you know, 24 points, you know, 47 or 45 to 24, uh, you know, 145 left in the second. I was like, that has to be the first half score. That can't be. It must be going like, to halftime. 47 nope. is also a bad score. Yeah. Let's, 47 let's is be, terrible. <laughs> let's be very clear. Scoring 47 points in a basketball game, also bad. It's um, so remarkable. I don't even know if that's credit to Virginia Tech. That I, I didn't watch the game, um, but that sounds horrible. I'm not crediting I mean, Virginia Tech for that. They, they scored 47 points. Like Virginia Tech, let's see. Virginia Tech hit 35% of their field goals. NC State hit 16% of their field goals. They went 9 for 34 from the field. So I just I just sent you guys via, via our group chat. Have a look at your phones right now, if you can. Um, I sent you the shot chart, the, the NC State shot chart. <laughs> they, oh, NC God. State did not take bad shots. Like, if you look at this shot chart, it is all right around the basket in the lane, you know, like five footers and three pointers. The advanced metric people will say to you, hey, that's not you either want to take a shot within five feet of the basket or you want to take a shot outside the three point line. That's what you're supposed to do in basketball. That is the way to play the game. Two of their field goals goals are Kyle Singler's two pointers, which are basically, you know, two pointers are they're just as on three point line. Right, the two bad shots they took, they made. They made them. <laughs> the shot chart is there are so many missed shots at the rim. It is unbelievable. And Virginia Tech is not a shot blocking team. It's not like they did this against like a great shot blocking team. 
They just they couldn't hit a. They were two of twenty eight on three pointers. Wow, two that, of twenty. Oh my god! That shot chart looks like um looks like a survival's guide to the Red Wedding. Um, shout out. <laughs> well, I will. I will, I will. I will save this so that when that episode comes out, I'll know exactly what you're talking about. You'll know exactly what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Uh, preview, it looks a lot like the shot chart that NC State had against Virginia Tech. Everybody, everybody did. <laughs> number of, the number of living people remaining versus the number of dead people um, at the end of the scene. It's, it's approximately represented. Anyway, so, um, so congratulations in advance to NC State for beating Duke uh, in Cameron because that's, that's all that, that, that's a harbinger of. They're gonna hit. They're gonna hit like fourteen out of seventeen threes again. They're going to hit every going, three. They take. everything. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, so guys, for my parting shot, we're recording this as mentioned on Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, there's the big game on in a couple hours. Super Bowl Fifty Three, the Rams against the Patriots, and I know everyone's gonna listen to this after the Super Bowl has concluded. But guys, I bring this up because I have a fun factoid about Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, do you guys know? What sport he got his coaching career started in? Oh, uh, what? Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's let's think about this. Lacrosse. <laughs> you're laughing, but you're right. I was oh, actually, you know what? That's not. <laughs> I, I was going to say that's not a bad choice. He was. I mean, he grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, and was a, a big lacrosse guy. And he got his career started as a lacrosse coach. But guys, he started his career as a volunteer assistant lacrosse coach. At Detroit Country Day, my high school, Shane Battier's high school, and literally went from there. And after a year and a half, became an assistant. His dad was coaching for the Detroit Lions at the time, moved to Detroit Lions, and the rest, as they say, is history. So it was pretty cool stuff that what is likely what many will call the greatest football coach of all time began his coaching career coaching lacrosse at my high school. That's my fun factoid about Bill Belichick. That's a that's a great one that I have never heard before. Wow! Yeah, that's one that's of our little like cool. little little school secrets that that we that we hide around them. Bill Belichick got his got his stuff started with us, so there's some big things going on in Detroit Country Day. <laughs> but uh, that's going to end it for episode 146 of this DBR podcast. Uh, once again, we'd like to thank Bird Campbell for their support. Fans out there, I need you to do us a favor: subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Leave us nice reviews if you're enjoying what we're doing because it helps us with visibility and it helps us reach uh, this content, reach as many Duke fans as possible. Uh, We want to get it out there. Uh, If you have questions or constructive feedback for us, hit us up at dbrpodcast. I'm sorry, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Jason and Sam, thank you guys as always. I hope you both enjoy the Super Bowl. Stay safe out there. And to all of you out there, hope you enjoy the week. We'll check you out next time. Episode 146 is in the can. Duke Band. Take us home.